Hey, we're just about to jump into the episode, but before we do, did you know we have a junior-friendly Discord community? It's completely free to join. If you want to join us, the link is in the description. We'd love to have you. All right, enjoy the episode. Hey, everyone. If you want to see what a back-end interview is like, I just hosted a mock back-end interview. For the interviewer, I invited on Scott. He was my boss's boss, um, I think CTO, and then eventually became VP of Engineering. He manages a pretty large team right now. Um and he has hired hundreds of engineers. He's very kind, very kind-hearted, and very candid, which I appreciate both sides of that. But we invited on Eric, the brave soul, who is an aspiring developer, definitely with an interest in backend from what it sounds like. And he decided um, he wanted to get a taste and a feel for what a backend interview is like. So I hope you like it. Enjoy. All right. So, um, Eric, we got about an hour. Um, and what I like to do here is I want to take about no, no more than 10 minutes at the, the top of the hour here, learn a little bit about you, what kind of motivates you, what's got you looking for a new role, what does good look like in your next role, um, what does bad look like. Um, just get to understand a little more about you, then we'll dive into a coding portion, some virtual whiteboarding, just kind of dive into some problems and discuss things. It's meant to take more than the hour, so if you run out of time, that's by design. Um, I just want to give us an opportunity to get our hands dirty and dig in. And then at the bottom of the hour, any questions that you might have for me. Um, so we'll leave some time at the end for that. Sound good? Sounds good. Cool. Give me the 10,000 foot view. What are you doing right now? What's good? What's bad? What's got you? <clears throat> sure. So uh, just a little bit about me. Uh, I actually was in a blockchain startup for a couple of months and I quit that uh, back in uh, early September. Um, so I got my hands a little dirty coming from no coding background or programming experience. And that got me interested in the full stack. So, you know, front end, back end, everything. I wanted to learn it all. Um, I, I gained a little bit of experience from that. Uh, but I wanted to gain a bit more hands-on experience and kind of do uh, my own thing and do production code. So I took the leap of faith and I decided to join uh, New Camp's Bootcamp, uh, which was a coding bootcamp. And they offered a Python backend program, which I started in early October. And I've been learning and growing since then. Great. Um, so with the blockchain startup, you didn't have any programming experience prior to that? Uh, no, nothing prior to that. Uh, that was pretty much my first uh, my first uh, language I learned wasn't actually Python, and it was actually a smart contract development language called Solidity. Um, and I did get a little bit, you know, dirty with that. Learned a little bit of this, you know, the syntax. But other than that, nothing really major. Interesting. What did that look like? What was the learning path of that like for you? Was it self driven? Did you have learning materials? Oh, uh, so most of it was. Uh, somewhat tutorial based, but I did play around with a production code base a little bit. So I got to, you know, gain a little uh, sense of the land. So uh, played around with the smart contracts, see how the smart country development process goes, how these contracts interact with different contracts and how it communicates with the blockchain. Um, I, I honestly will say it was a very uh, valuable experience for me. Um, uh, so Solidity itself is uh, very syntax uh, similar to JavaScript. So, I mean, we all know how JavaScript can be syntactically. So <laughs> it was definitely not the most friendliest uh, first language to learn, uh, for sure, uh, which is why I kind of thought, you know, maybe I, it's time for Python instead. Um, uh, but that's that's where I'm at. Uh, I now am would consider myself a Python maxi, but uh, uh, I do appreciate both languages and frameworks now. 
have you ever seen that meme of the uh, the JavaScript reference manual and the JavaScript the good parts and it's like this thing? <laughs> I haven't seen that exact one, but I feel like I've seen derivatives of those. I have my copy of the good parts right over there. I can see it. It's 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 like this. <laughs> it's pretty valid. Um, okay, very cool. So you left the the blockchain gig. Um, yes. What prompted you to leave that, and what have you been doing since then? Sure. So um, as typical startups happen. Um, I'll, Difficulty generating revenue, um, definitely difficulty with uh, getting the right guidance and um, help that I needed at the moment. Um, you, we wear a lot of hats. That's the cliche that we all hear, you know, and I think in the moment I was looking for a bit more guidance, a bit more hands on, um, a bit more, you know, I want to be able to do my own code. I want to actually hands on the keyboard as opposed to oh, learn this tutorial, learn that tutorial, and you can play around with this code base, but nothing will be pushed to production that you touch. <laughs> so it felt like, oh, well, I'm, what am I really doing here? What am I actually learning? Um, so now I'm like, I'm really glad I did went to the uh, bootcamp route instead. And what have you done since the bootcamp? Are you on the hunting uh, first gig or? So, uh, so I stopped the, I quit the uh, startup in September and then I took a few weeks off and then I uh, joined the bootcamp uh, early October and went through the going through the bootcamp now um right now my biggest uh pro side project that i'm working on is a spotify clone so it's a crud this is a crud app but um it's something that i've really been enjoying the process of learning so i've been spending more of my time doing that and on another side project that i'm working on is also playing around with smart contract development uh but not with solidity it's a different uh it's more of a python um, language called viper and uh hopefully i'll be able to uh, make my own smart contract code base very cool I'm just googling smart contract Oh, sure. Um, what's in terms of the work that you're doing, uh, getting into the application development side of things? Mm -hmm. What's what are you enjoying? Oh, uh, this may sound very cliche, but uh, during those bouts of frustration and those aha moments, and, and I know that we all know those are the moments where in the in the in the midst of it, you want to bash your head against the keyboard. And you wonder why you got into this mess. But uh, after that, that, that light bulb goes off, you, you begin to realize, ah, oh, this is why. And, and then, you know, those uh, that, you know, light bulb goes off and you realize, oh, this is why. And it makes perfect sense logically, uh, syntactically. But then up until that moment, you know, it's very frustrating, but it's nothing, nothing like it. It's very cathartic. Um, I, I can't imagine doing anything else. It's such a intellectually stimulating, um, rationalizing. It's really a different way to look at the world, um, I would say. And I honestly couldn't have chosen a better uh, career path. Marvel. Yeah, no, I totally get that. Um, the uh, point that I always go back to with folks, even late career, is performance. It's kind of the thing that I've always enjoyed. Um, and namely because when it comes to performance, generally speaking, it's never what you think it is. It always requires you your digging. It always results in the aha moment. Like you, you constantly get that dopamine hit, no matter how experienced you are when, when you're uh, investigating that. Um, that holds true uh, for a long time because that definitely can be a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. What's uh, What don't you enjoy doing? Uh, definitely the feeling that I will always be three steps short or you know one step short or something i'm over it's always my fault it's never it's never the piece of technology well i mean sometimes you know but um 
99% of the time, it's something that I did wrong, something that I overlooked. Um, and as a perfectionist, you know, it's definitely difficult to let that ego go and, you know, just keep digging and keep researching and keep asking for help and kind of building that kind of sense of uh, it's okay. You know, you'll learn and grow from this experience, uh, whether whatever, how big the problem can be. But I think that's the jet, jet, uh, honestly, the, the most uh, difficult challenge is, you know, letting the ego go and understanding that it's all part of the journey um, of learning and growing. There's, you will never have, find someone that mastered a language or mastered a framework. Everyone's learning and growing and it just comes with experience and time. Yeah. And Don and I have definitely talked about this before that confidence is the hardest thing to, to build. Um, and my coaching to junior level engineers is I can only say it's the ones that don't work for me because I can't tell you to work outside of your work hours, but to just always have a project, always be working on something, always have something that you're on the side because it helps to get a lot of that out of your system fast. Um, and uh, can't disagree with you on that point. Mm -hmm. Cool. Um, so like I said, I want to spend about 10 minutes just kind of diving into you. Thank you for that uh, super high level. A lot of stuff in there. Sure. Appreciate doing that deep dive. Um, what we'll do now is we'll switch over to a virtual whiteboard okay. and I will shoot a note into the chat with the link. Um, and then I will share my screen on the stream. And then question for you, I think I know the answer, but there is no wrong answer for this. What language would you like to use? <laughs> Python, please. <laughs> Python 2 or Python 3? Uh, Python, uh, Python 3. Okay. Um, so what we'll be doing is we'll be building out Secret Santa. Um, or uh, I think white elephant is the other term that goes by. Um, and it's just programming the rules of the game. So Secret Santa has three basic rules. You put names into a hat, you pull the names out, that's the person you're going to give a gift to. In order to write the game out, we need to follow three rules. Each player, and I gave a list of players here, it's just an example. Barney, Wilma, Fred, Pebbles, and Bam Bam. Each player will pull a name and they can only give a gift one time. Each person can only receive a gift from another player one time. You can only give or receive, you cannot give or receive to yourself. And then fourth point here, sorry, is that this should happen at random. So every time we run this, we actually want it to come up with a different result. So no real rules on what the input looks like or the output looks like, just that we are capable of pairing things up. So whatever you're comfortable with there. But what I've done here is put together a quick Python example where we have this simple function called go and it just returns obviously a static result right now, but it's showing the relationship in terms of pairs of strings. And so, um, you know, for the input, Fred, Willem, Barney, Pebbles, and Bam Bam, you get out this result. We can run the code where Barney gives to Wilma, Fred gives to Betty, et cetera, et cetera. Does that make sense? Yep. Okay. Um, you know, I tend to do these things however you're comfortable, right? So these are obviously be a little bit nerve-wracking experiences having to do some virtual whiteboarding. If you need to Google anything, feel free to Google it. If you want to talk through anything, feel free to talk through it. Otherwise, I'll let you just kind of get started and let me know, you know, what you need. Sure. Okay. <clears throat> I'm just going to go through ahead and uh, read it to myself. So given a list of players, pair up players so that each player gives a gift once. Okay. So each player receives a gift once. Okay, so no repeating. Players cannot give or receive to themselves. Makes sense. 
flex let's be random okay okay Players. So run the function and then So we're putting in this list and we need to be able to get back uh, an array of arrays. Okay. So this one's that can't be duplicates and it can't be repeating. So my first thought is to begin with a uh, some sort of um, to iterate through this list of players and to um, hmm. so I want to be able to somehow uh, first categorize these players. Um, initially, I was thinking about whoops uh, doing a um, some sort of for loop. So that way I can iterate through and assign each player to a different player. So, uh, you know, uh, Fred with Wilma or Barney with Pebbles. Uh, my second thought is I could do that or I could do first assign this list and put it into uh, an empty dictionary. So I could do uh, Fred, uh, Fred uh, with someone and then Wilma with someone. Um, my thought process right now is going towards the uh, latter option uh, as that could potentially help me prevent uh, these conditionals where I can then somehow have a uh, statement that will allow me to use that dictionary and say, oh, if within the dictionary, if Fred has already given a gift, um, then they cannot give a again, to another person. Um, hmm. Let's see, so, so we have this, so turn that, so we just need to pair it up with another one, so, <clears throat> Mm. Let me think. So we have this list, and hmm. so let's try that. So let's have some sort of um, uh, empty dictionary. We'll just call it temp. And so, and in this empty dictionary, I want to add all of the players and assign them to a and add them to the dictionary. So um, let's, well, mm, I guess 
this instead. actually. Mm -hmm. So then we want to package them up into tuples. Um, what would be the best way to do that? Uh, let's see. To go from a list to packaging them up. Mm -hmm. Let's see. So let me do so we have a list and you can just cast it as a tuple um, but how would um, I guess that's worth a shot so instead of going with the dictionary we can take the uh, the list, so whatever the list is, and then just package it up as a tuple. So we'll just call it my tuple, and we'll cast it as a tuple. And uh, once it's casted as a tuple, then we can um, iterate through, um, let's see. So, let me ask you this. Does it matter at this point if it's a tuple or not? Or even in the output mm. tuple? My, my example is actually just a list of two. <laughs> mm. Um, mm, let's see. So, so you're saying uh, it shouldn't... Well, you're asking if it does matter or not? Yeah, I mean, um, we're spending you know, details on, on how we're going to iterate over the list. Mm -hmm. um, it's Python. We can cheat. Uh, we're not doing the, the type safe version of Python. At least I didn't hear. Um, this is you know Python three. This is copied and pasted from. I know it is. Um, but uh, you know, it. Do we need to worry about con uh, switching it to a tuple before we go through any iteration or anything like that, or can we work mm. with it in place? I see. So. Getting the list and so we get the list of players and we want to randomly so think about this in terms of the sure. context of the real game right? Mm -hmm. um, obviously, this is software, so we can cheat a little bit here um, mm -hmm. at certain points. But this is an actual game. We've got a whole bunch of names in a hat, right? Mm -hmm. Theoretically, we have that here, too. It's within the player's array. Right. Um, and then the actual game is you got Barney, Wilma, Fred, Pebbles, and Bam Bam standing around in a circle. Mm -hmm. Just for the sake of keeping it simple, say that uh, I'm using the example input in the comment up top. 
Barney's the first person in the circle. Barney picks a name. Wilma picks a name. Fred picks a name. But we just start by emulating that experience. I see. So, mm, starting off with, so, who, like an order of uh, players picking names out of a hat. Yeah, the order is superfluous. Like I said, where you can cheat. This isn't a real game. Um, and it's it's just software. So, I mean, we have a list of players. They're in an order. The order just happens to be the order that I typed them in here. Um, right. But can we, can we replicate the process of each person and iterating over this? And you touched on this earlier, right? Just a simple for loop of right. going through each player and pairing them up with somebody else would be the act of pulling the name out of the hat. Right, right. But the first step there is kind of going around in that circle. Right. So we still want to be able to iterate through the list of players. Right. So for every player in if, yeah, for every player in the list of players, um, you want to be able to choose one of them. So let's say we so we're iterating through the list of players um, and we want to, I guess, uh, assign each player with another player. So um, oh, let's see. So, so if we, we just toss a quick line in here right now, in terms of what we have at this point, right? is we're effectively passing the hat around the circle. Mm -hmm. So the next thing we need to do then is how can we represent the hat with a randomized, seemingly randomized, right? Um, how can we represent the hat in a way where we can pluck a name out and get something at random? Mm. Um, we could... We could choose, we could just uh, have it somehow, uh, we could use uh, like a random function, like that would select out of the list, just a random number within that list. So somehow like, somehow make it so that it will pick uh, the first one in the list or the third one in the list. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> That's an option. I do not remember those off the top of my head, so I assume we're gonna need to look that up. <laughs> There's there's a million mechanisms for that. So um, I guess kind of going back to my original idea of uh, maybe we could assign each uh, player to a dictionary that will uh, give it give us a number, and then we could use the um, the rand uh, random module, the random integer, and then select a random number, which will be assigned to a different a random player within the list. So uh, if I'm visualizing this correctly, um, we have five keys in this example, Fred, Wilma, Barney, Pebbles, Bam, Bam. Yep. Fred gets a four, Wilma gets a one, Barney sure. zero. Um, just kind of random indices within that list. Mm -hmm. And okay. then, um, so now implementing it. So uh, 
Um, let's see. So, uh, can you? I'm assuming you can import some more. Uh, yeah, that's work. Okay. So, uh, do. From the first to, so we first want to get the temporary uh, dictionary, and then we also want to append um, everything in the players list to the dictionary. So um, just do uh, append and then players. And once we've done that, um, we can assume um, it'll be zero, one, two, three, four. And so from zero to four, it'll give us a random number and we can store that into uh, what we call a random choice. And uh, with that random choice will be the selected um, individual. Now, to have that randomly selected individual be assigned to a specific player, let's see. So we have, we're iterating through the list and we've appended the list to a dictionary so that we've, we're able to randomly choose a player based off their number. Now we just need to assign the randomly chosen player to a list. So, mm, but we also want it to be So we should only choose this if the let's see. So we want to be able to so zero, one, two, three, four, let's say. And then so we'll say, and then I guess we could do uh, have this. So we have them as a dictionary and we are looping through that. We've appended it to a dictionary and now we just need to assign the player to a number. So I guess we could so can we do something like where we so within dictionary we could do something like this where the a specific index from the from the dictionary gets assigned to hmm. 
Well, I think um, following where you're going here, I mean, we're assigning numbers zero through four, right? Those numbers tightly align with the indices of the input list, right? Mm -hmm. So if I'm following you correctly, it sounds like as long as we can uniquely assign those numeric values to the keys within the dictionary, then we know which index in the input list is the pair, right? Mm -hmm. I agree with that approach. Uh, that certainly solves the problem. I think that the challenge that I see initially, uh, probably should think through next is how do we ensure uniqueness? Because if I, you're kind of like whiteboarding here, so I'm just going to restructure this just a little bit, just so we're looking at us in the same way here. Sure. But if we're doing this here in a in a loop like that, so we initialize the dictionary, and then for each player, we're going to um, append. This would be I, right? There we go. Oh, yes. Right. So we're appending I, and then um, into that dictionary. So now you have this empty key there, um, and then you're going to assign that value. But what happens if rand choice on loop over the first one we get Fred? Fred gets mm -hmm. assigned rand choice, which is a random integer from zero to four, and yep. it picks one. Sure. And then Wilma and rand choice being a random integer from zero to four also gets one. Mm -hmm. Now we've broken rule number one and two. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I used to, yeah. Um, so we, we, we eliminate that uniqueness. So how can we, following the solution that you're, you're going with, what are ways that we can start to ensure the uniqueness of the values that are picked at random? Sure. Um, so we would have to have some sort of way to ensure that uh, each once a once a number <clears throat> has been chosen, then it does not get chosen again. So we could uh, have uh, if clause where it'll take. Um, so let's say Fred gets uh, one, so he gives it to Wilma. So and then. Wilma gets one again, so we would have to prevent that from happening. So uh, if Rand choice, um, I guess uh, maybe something, we, we would somehow have to, okay, so from the dictionary, okay, so Fred gets, so, so we iterate through and they get assigned numbers and uh, we want to make sure that they are not giving it to themselves nor to someone that's already has someone else. So we need to yeah, somehow... Actually, that reminds me now, there's actually two constraints we have to be worried about, right? Mm -hmm. um, if Wilma gets one, mm -hmm. random choice, it's actually giving to herself. So there's also that concern. Right, right. So we pretty much have to ensure uniqueness throughout. So, mm -hmm. um, I guess, so in the first iteration, um, pen and choose random number. And if so, if a random choice has been already selected. And so if a certain number from zero to four has already been chosen, it should not be chosen again. That's kind of what it boils down to. So if zero has already been chosen, um, has been already assigned, then it should not be chosen again by not only 
the same person, but other people as well. So um, if brand choice, um, I guess, how do I now define whether it was chosen? Uh, so I guess the question then becomes what the, um, I guess I have to use the dictionary uh, from the dictionary if, Mm. By the way, if it's easier to pseudocode, that's totally fine. Sure. Because as I'm as I'm thinking through this, I'm thinking of like a zillion APIs that I do not know off the top of my head. <laughs> 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 not the same. Uh, it's any higher standard than that. So, so let's see. Uh, right. Uh, let's see. So I just need to be able to have some way to determine. So, hmm. so, so, random, so random choice pretty much has to be unique um, after the random number is chosen. What's a way that we could, you know, as we're iterating through the list mm -hmm. of players, we got two problems to solve. Uh, but let's look at the first, uh, actually problem number three, really. You can't give or receive to yourself. Mm -hmm. um, how can we solve for that one? Or is there an easy way that we could solve for that one just by virtue of iterating through the list and knowing what position we're at? Mm. Uh, so let's see, players cannot give or receive to themselves. So uh, once we go through the first iteration of the loop um oh um maybe something like uh if the if the random choice um has already is oh maybe something like uh if random choice is equal to zero then um it should take that out of the available choices. So part of it, uh, this is, that would be zero has been given a gift. Now uh, right. we're ensuring the uniqueness of point number one by iterating through the list um, one by one. And so we're only going to iterate it once. And so everybody gives a gift once um, in terms of zero. And again, I'm pseudo coding here. I don't believe this is valid Python. Uh, clearly mm -hmm. I don't do a ton of programming these days. Um, but if we did something like this, where we were able to iterate over the list and get both the name itself sure like red wilma but then also the index in the list sure sure um right so if like that again, was... being self-aware of where we are in the in the source list sure so um then that would give us the not only the actual value in the list but also the index so then we would need to do something like this i believe um where we then can get both values and and then if we do that, then we can access the uh, player's uh, index. So if the RAND choice is equal to the same index of the players, so um, so for example, if in the first iteration, zero was chosen, then that means Fred is already taken. He's already giving a gift to someone and it'll 
it should hit this where if zero is equal to so in the players in is equal to the first uh, iteration so freds which is at zero then we would uh now uh we should somehow now have logic that will skip over fred for the next iteration well in this in this first pass right first execution of the loop only one iteration happening here the first value is fred the index is zero fred reaches into a hat he pulls out zero, or in other words, he pulls out Fred, mm -hmm. right? Because index zero is Fred. Fred can't give or receive to himself. So if it was a real game of Secret Santa, what would we do? We just put it back in and have him repick. So if, if the choice is equal to the actual player's index, aka if it's their own name, then we simply just go through the, have them repick, which is just go to the, go to the loop again. So, um, return, um, I'm not sure if, uh, that's the right. Hmm. It's the right uh, approach. I think, um, remember, you know, we're doing one, one loop over Leslie. I wouldn't have picked that out. <laughs> I'm glad you know your, <laughs> uh, those APIs better than I do. Um, but again, like we're iterating over the list just as one time, right? Just that simple iteration over the, the input is our passing around the circle. Right. Right. So if we're passing around the circle, then really each person gets one turn, uh, if you will. And using Fred as an example, Fred pulls zero, Fred pulled his own name, Fred needs to pick again. Mm -hmm. So in theory, we need to just run the body of the loop again. Um, what would be a way that we could do that? Mm. Well, the brute force way to do it would be to just type the body of the loop again, but um, a uh, more simpler approach could be to, um, I guess now that I think about it, that isn't that bad of an idea is to just have him go through it again. Um, so we just have him choose again. Um, so where, but then this time we could do it uh, without uh, that choice. So. Um, so if name, then we want him to pick it out again and doing that is essentially here, right? So, uh, but then starting maybe something like, mm, something like this, uh, uh second and so then we have him pick out again, but this time um, we are choosing now without his own name in it, which would be ran choice. And then from that to four, so that, that would ensure that uh, it, his name is not included in the second. I'll for that use case, but let's think about another use case now. Sure. And then you're on the right path here, but I think we just need to kind of restructure the, the control flow here. Okay. Um, Fred pulling his name on the first try. It's a possibility. It's going to happen. Yeah, it's the first index in that that loop. If we just remove that from um, from brand choice, then uh, it's no longer an issue. But what if it happens on Wilma and Fred hasn't received a gift yet? So mm -hmm. the index of zero still needs to be valid in there. I see. I see. Right. So we couldn't just go from Wilma plus one to the end. In that case, we'd have to 
um, still be inclusive of any names that haven't received a, uh, a gift. Right. <clears throat> so throwing performance to the window, out the window, like, uh, and it's not the requirement here, right? Mm -hmm. um, what's a way that we could just run those two lines of code again? Um, believe could be just uh, continue, maybe. Uh, right, but I think would, that would execute the next. Uh, right. Loop. That's right. Uh, let's see. So. another loop maybe oh that's true so we could we would we have the same logic within the, the nested for loop does that make sense um so it's kind of the brute force method but it's kind of like a, a do while loop right where do while the ran choice is not equal or sorry is equal to um the player's index so as long as you keep pulling the players index try again mm. so could do the same um So if it goes to the first, then it will add, right? And then, so. And we still want to click that. So. first iteration it'll take fred add it to the dictionary and assign it a value and let's say zero gets picked if zero so if fred is equal to fred if fred picks fred then just go to the loop again um, um i'm yeah i'm a little lost how it it, we, we, it could still pick fred again potentially so what i would change here would be simply this Oop. so while that's the case because we don't want to iterate over the list of players again that's not really necessary in this case um, right. but we're going to pick the random choice while they're equal right we're going to continue to keep picking I and see. then once you've gotten something that is not fred it's not you know 
the player who's picking the name. Um, now we have a name who's not me. Now I've satisfied points number one because we're iterating over the list once and going around the circle. Points number three because definitely not giving or receiving to yourself, which means now we have the, the second bullet that has to um, also be accounted for here. Right. I think implicitly we're accounting for the fourth. Uh, this is happening at random. The second bullet now is how do we ensure the uniqueness of the recipient? So each person only receiving and um, uh, only receiving a gift one time. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so just to understand uh, you correctly. So the reason why we're doing this is so that um, this will, if this condition is, is, so if Fred picks the same one, then it'll just stay within this uh, loop. And then until that condition is um, exited, then it will still be within the flow. That makes perfect sense. So then we now want to be able to, uh, let's see, only once. So now we have to somehow prevent the player from giving receiving uh, a gift more than once. So let me just change this here so that the logic is the same. Mm. And um, so if we are exiting here, so let's say Fred chooses, uh, whoops. So Fred chooses Fred and keep choosing again. And once he has chosen someone that's not Fred, um, then uh, Fred will have chosen, let's say one. And so now he will exit and he will, now how do we determine that he, the player will receive one gift only? So, I think you touched on the, the basis for this um, earlier, right? If we have this dictionary that we can iterate over the keys in the dictionary, we're going to get a name and the value at each one of those keys is going to be an index. Mm-hmm. How can we ensure as we pick a new name or a new index to assign to a name, how can we ensure that that name has, or that index has never been pulled before? Um, so, You can check, uh, see if it hasn't been, uh, well, so this assuming would be the, the index or the, yeah, the index of the pulled, the first iterated pulled, um, player. So if maybe we could do something like if brand choice has, has been pulled already, then, um, we have to take that number out of the list or uh almost like a second condition where like the while loop uh and maybe even you know and, and you know, for the sake of time we don't have to refactor this but you could probably move the while to the top of the loop body right and restructure things a little bit so that everything's running under that that condition but the while loop conditions should be i didn't pick myself or sorry the while I continue working while i'm picking myself or i'm picking somebody who's already been picked before Mm-hmm. Right, and that's that if statement that you're you're typing out there. How do we determine that somebody has been picked before? Um, oh, oh, if uh, so, just to talk out loud. Uh, if they're mm-hmm. 
if the chose the randomly chosen number um, has uh, is equal to the um, the value the, the the key value in the dictionary, then that means it has been chosen. Yeah. So just iterate over the dictionary and look to see have we seen the value before. If yes, keep going, keep trying again. Right. If not, um, yeah, it's it's valid. If not, and it's also not your own uh, index, then it's a valid choice. Mm -hmm. So in, in this dictionary, if, oh, so maybe something like this. Um, so in the dictionary, if uh, we're gonna look for that index and if, if this has been chosen, so if this is equal to um, the player index, then, um, so essentially what this is saying is, uh, the randomly chosen players index within the dictionary, if it has been, if that is equal to a certain player, then, then that's been chosen. And, but do we remove, we don't want to remove them from the list. We simply just want to say that they can't receive another gift. So they, they can't be chosen again. Um, Yes, yeah, so if they're if they're present in that dictionary, because we have selected it before as a valid selection, then that that should effectively rule it out, right? So, uh, using an example, let's say that Fred gives to Wilma. Mm -hmm. um, or sorry, Fred goes to give to Barney. So two is assigned to Fred. Wilma goes and she draws, and we know that if Wilma continues to draw one, that she'll continue to redraw because she can't draw herself. So we already got right. that covered. All right, so Wilma draws a two now. It's not her, so we can check the dictionary. But then when we loop through the dictionary, we can look at Fred. Fred's giving to two. There's our condition, right? We don't have to, um, that we can't give to, to Barney again uh, because that index has already been used up. Mm -hmm. That does solve the problem, and it solves it actually completely. Um, I think the, and again, just in the interest of time, we can talk through it. Um, it's perfectly fine. Um, I'm not picking on the code pieces, the specifics. Um, there is one bug though that kind of gets left over. We can spend a couple minutes here talking through. Um, you got the problem where uh, the problem solved where we're iterating over the list of players one time. Okay, so everybody's giving a gift one time. We're selecting at random and based on these two constraints that I didn't pick myself and I didn't pick somebody who's already picked before that um, we're satisfying the, the other two constraints of the game. And this mm -hmm. is, like I said, it's happening at random. What would happen though, if the last name in the list, in this case, Bam Bam, Bam Bam has not given a gift yet, but also Bam Bam hasn't received a gift yet. So the only name left in the list, list is Bam Bam. What's gonna happen to this program when you hit that case? Mm. Let's see. Uh, so, your, so your question was, uh, what would happen uh, if that were the case? Um, so, so Bam Bam so gets to Bam Bam, and Bam Bam pulls the name out of the hat, and the only name left in the hat because he's the last one to go, and the only mm, name left in the hat is Bam Bam. Mm, I see. So then we, I guess, uh, we 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 should probably put logic in so so that 
uh, it's removed from the list. But I feel like that's not the that's such a brute force way to prevent that from happening. Um, like brute force is the way to go, but uh, I wouldn't wouldn't remove it from the list because Bam Bam still needs to receive a gift, right? Right. Um, and it's this is one of those cases where it's not an even or odd thing. Like it's always going to happen. It's always a possibility that it could happen. Mm-hmm. Um, that the last person is the only person who hasn't been picked yet. Um, in a real game of Secret Santa, this would be problematic <laughs> because right. you know uh, you're visibly seeing um, people pull the names. Um, how could you solve for the case? And again, just talking through it, but how could you solve for that sure. case when the last name in the list is the only name left in the hat? Uh, so kind of thinking it in like a real world way, um, uh, you could have potentially uh, two additional people. So a pair, uh, you could have them throw their, you know, cards back into the hat and then starting from Bam Bam, go through the list again. Um, so Hadron, try again and- just try again. So with additional, um, that way it kind of ensures that Bam Bam will likely be able to have picked someone that, you know, he can receive a gift and give a gift to. Um, and the other two um, can keep going until they're able to get someone that's, um, that way Bam Bam is included as well. That would be my thought process. Brute force. And like I said, Performance doesn't matter. That's not the question, <laughs> right? The question satisfying the rules. Um, yeah, I think the other way too, um, uh, and this is where the difference of software versus uh, real world comes into play is you can really just cheat and just swap Bam Bam with somebody else. Right. Because um, right. <laughs> nobody has to know because there's no real people uh, playing the game here. Right. Um, cool. We're exactly at time. Um, thank you for running through that. I know those sure. aren't easy. Um, what questions can I answer for you? Uh, I would definitely say um, points of areas of improvement, um, uh, kind of uh, th- my my thought process. Uh, w- what would be a, a better way to approach uh, just general questions such as these? Um, I feel like uh, uh, it's difficult to under uh, to first uh comprehend the the full uh problem at hand with the constraints um into account uh without uh fumbling and you know running into edge cases i mean that's the whole point but uh just kind of getting the full picture and stepping stepping back which uh, seems to come na- so naturally uh versus just uh more of like a brute force method, which is like the better way to approach that. Yeah. And, and I'll say I, I've, this is one that I've retired several years ago, um, purely out of boredom. Cause I did it for like 10 years straight. Um, but having seen, you know, hundreds of candidates go through this, like people are all over the map in terms of how they approach the problem. And it's a hard problem. Right. And, and the reason I've always liked this problem is that uh, on the scale of folks who are very new to um, getting into programming versus folks who are, uh, very mature, uh, very senior level. Uh, they solve it in very different ways. And, and me as an interviewer gives me a lot of um, insights that I can calibrate against, uh, you know, for um, how different folks approach it. But I think in general, in terms of the feedback, um, there's, I think, definitely confidence in data structures is an area that I would focus. I think and this is where I kind of interjected early on is, is uh, a bit thinking about 
the data structure to use to track who's getting what, um, spending a heavy amount of time on that, which is really kind of just stems from that lack of confidence in, lack of a better term, syntactical tools, right? Stopping to think about, well, I'm going to use a for loop here. I'm going to use a dictionary here. Um, those kinds of things become instinctual over time. And practice mm -hmm. just makes perfect. And mm -hmm. the way to get better at a problem like this and to be able to dive into a problem like this just boils down to that. My earlier comment about um, uh, having side projects, uh, you know, it, it can help there. Um, where I see a lot of folks really strive in this type of an environment when you're doing algorithmic type challenges. Um, you know, there's a million of these options online where you can go through and, and uh, take practice coding tests. Those are a good option for, um, for just getting better at this. It does start to become second nature and you start to see a lot of the caveats um, very quickly. I see. The reason I bring up the Bam Bam scenario here at the end is mm -hmm. because with exception of maybe two candidates that I've ever given this question to over the years, mm -hmm. everybody falls on that part, right? And that's mm -hmm. part of why I like the questions. It gives us an opportunity in every case where you can debug a problem. Sure. Um, but everybody stumbles across that part, except for two candidates who are extremely qualified and, and you know, very, very senior in their mm -hmm. uh, careers. Um, and so you should also remember that, that there's, there's things here where I, as the interviewer, want to see I write bugs. Everybody writes bugs. <laughs> um, like we're all human. Like I said, I'm I'm throwing syntax in here that I don't think is valid. Um, but uh, you know, we're going to make mistakes. But how do we think through those mistakes, right? And and mm -hmm. just getting more comfortable with how you navigate through those types of problems, I think, is is just where practice makes perfect. Sure, um, sure. Nothing here stands out to me as as particularly off or wrong or anything like that. A pretty standard uh, approach to the problem. Nothing wrong with going brute force. Um, mm. because again, and I mentioned this as you were going through it, I didn't ask you for performance. <laughs> like right. we can, we can do this as, as slowly or as quickly as, uh, as we wanted to execute. Um, but as long as we get to the answer, that was really the goal here. Sure. Sure. That's definitely helpful. I think, cool. uh, for, for myself, uh, just a, a small comment is, um, so focused on, uh, the the end goal as opposed to the uh, the journey uh, mm -hmm. with problems like this uh, I think that's really kind of the, the challenge is kind of um, uh, really focusing on um, not more of the syntax or the toolings because I mean like the different data structures um, and algorithms uh, like they're just you know means to an end right and they're not mm -hmm. the actual end all be all like you were saying so I think um, that's great feedback. So thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Anything that, any feedback for me? Uh, honestly, it was um, very helpful and uh, very, uh, it was definitely a lot of fun for sure. Um, a lot it kept me at ease <laughs> throughout. Uh, definitely uh, pushing me in the right direction and um, definitely showing me uh, the logic in uh a more uh friendlier way than than um than necessary uh sometimes um it seemed like uh i was simply told uh the answer which you know not faulting you or anything but um it seemed like uh it was kind of uh being given instead of like uh, uh being 
kind of like guided towards, which is, you know, definitely helpful. But I guess in hindsight, I would say it would definitely uh, be okay to kind of have myself or whomever to struggle a bit more, I guess, uh, just to kind of go through that, you know, phase of frustration to get those aha moments. That's just be my only two cents. It's an interesting point and, and one where I'm kind of undecided on because, you know, the reason I've developed that habit over the years of just sort of nudging people in the right direction is um, for me, it's candidate experience, right? You want, you don't want somebody to come away and say like, yeah, the company sucked interview. Right? <laughs> Um, at the same time, like as the interviewer, you need something that's going to be challenging. You're going to find the right talent. That's, that's, that's the line you have to balance. And, right, right. um, I am not in the popular crowd of, of technical interviewers who prefer the, um, uh, the whiteboard. I know a lot of people shy away from it, but mm-hmm. in, what would your preference be? Would it be towards being coached into the end solution and to get through a successful, um, point of completion whether hypothetical or not or would you prefer that if we had ended at a point where like it only solved two or three of the bullets we didn't solve everything right um i i would definitely say the latter i think um even though i because i think uh through those moments of frustration even if you're not completing i think i would say having gone through it it seems like the end goal isn't the you know isn't the shouldn't be the main focus or main priority um i none of this code will be you know for prod right so it's not like we're gonna you know we're trying to make like the most clever algorithm on the spot it's i guess kind of trying to determine you know the thought process and um the the bigger picture overall so i would Mm -hmm. say my 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 opinion would be that um even having a more challenging question uh that forces the interviewer uh or the interviewee sorry uh to struggle and to go through those moments of frustration would be more insightful ultimately for the interviewer okay that's that's valuable thank you Uh, i will say and just another point of feedback for you a very positive aspect that you know one of the things i'm always looking at um and a lot of candidates come down to this point is you ask questions or you nudge in certain ways and give feedback in certain ways to see how somebody receives that feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, and my nudging and prodding in here was was a bit touching on that. And you were very welcome into that, which for anybody, no matter how senior you are in your career, that's exactly what you want to see. And a mm-hmm. potential coworker is somebody who, yeah, we can have a conversation and <laughs> they're not going to get uh, angry at you or something like that when you... you you suggest one thing or the other, even if right. you're wrong. Right, um, right. <laughs> so very receptive to feedback, which it, it's a very strong quality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Cool. We are about at time, one okay. hour. And so thank you. Thank you so much, Scott. Pleasure getting to meet you. Hey, everyone. That was the interview. And I thought it went really well. Um, remember this, I have to say most people aren't willing to, they're already scared of going to an interview and they're definitely not willing to hop on camera. So seriously, kudos to Eric for doing this. This was phenomenal. And, um, you know, I feel like, I feel like I could almost empathize with Eric. I, I am someone that still gets nervous in interviews. And I think a lot of you can empathize as well. 
But, you know, I think he did a great job working through those problems. And, you know, this is his first interview. It's really cool to see him grow from this. And we even got to have a conversation uh, privately afterwards. But I think Eric's going to do very well with his career. But let me know in the comments below if you're watching this on video. Definitely let me know in the comments if you're watching it on audio. There's going to be a link to our Discord server. You could just hop in and let me know there or hop to the video. But either way, I want to know what you thought of this. I'm super curious. Thanks. Just